0: You really want to go fly fishing, but with all the rain and the spring snow melt, the rivers are blown out and muddy. So what's a fly guy to do? I got some ideas for you on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad LaChance here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Once again, brought to us, as always, by the fine folks at Sportsman's Warehouse. Visit them at sportsmans.com or any one of 136 stores nationwide. That company and I have been together since the very beginning of my career, and we would personally appreciate it if you would check them out next time you're looking for outdoor gear guys it's the middle of june it's uh, not supposed to be this cold and wet i live in colorado i'm not sure where in the country you might be listening from but if you're in the western united states it's very cold and very wet and i just drove up uh, several of the local rivers here i live around the front range of colorado We've got a bunch of rivers close to me or several of them Everything is muddy and blown out, really running hard. And some of it's from snowmelt, some of it's from the the daily toad chokers we've been getting, and I do mean daily. It rained, I mean even last night almost the entire night, and uh, we're getting a lot of water. And it's a blessing. We need it. The Western United States needs the water. So make no mistake, I am not complaining about it. I'm just observing what we're seeing and. Uh, I've lived in Colorado long enough to know that uh, water is king around here, and we need it. Everybody around needs it. Everybody downstream from us needs it, so bring on the rain. However, if I'm a fly-fishing guy, this could be a frustrating spring and early summer. A lot of muddy water, a lot of high water. Um, I'm not an expert on bug hatches, but I'd be willing to bet you the hatches timing's out of whack a little bit. Uh, just in general the seasons have been really strange i mean it's uh june what is it today's june 16th and the high today is supposed to be like 52 degrees so that's really hard to even believe this time of year when this time last year was 100 and change so again happy to have it but changing things up so here's my answer to the guy that's got a whole bunch of fly tackle and uh and a strong urge to go fly fishing and your rivers are shot And that is warm water fly fishing. And the reason I want to throw this one out there is I think there's so many people missing the boat on on fly fishing for other species besides trout. And I'm going to be real candid when I tell you I've been fly fishing since I was about 12 years old, give or take. My grandpa gave me a... fly rod an old fly rod i believe the first one i got was actually fiberglass with steel ferrules and then i moved up from one to a to a graphite rod from there worked my way along but uh but i did learn to fly fish very on shortly after i moved to colorado from florida and the reason i did was because that's what i thought you had to do even though my first love was was either bass fishing or saltwater fishing and I got went down that road fly fish like crazy all the way through my teenage years but never never quit bass fishing and things as well but it wasn't until much later in life that I started applying my fly fishing to my love of bass fishing and other species of warm water fish and When I did that, I realized that geez, I like that kind of fly fishing even more than running water. And the reason is this, I have a very clear reason why I'd rather fly fish on still water than running water. The fun part for me about fly fishing is fly casting. I love the feel of a bunch of line in the air and the farther I can throw that line and still be effective, the happier I am or the more accuracy that I need to have to be effective the happier i am and a running water scenario unfortunately for most scenarios if you're going to be really really consistent as a trout fishing guy here in the western united states uh, with a fly rod you have to be a good nympher. And for me, nymphing is, and this is for me, you do you, you if you wanna be a, a, a nympher guy, Euro nympher, bobber, fisherman, whatever, you knock yourself out. Again, I, I've always said in every podcast, you fish how you wanna fish. How I like to fish is the casting. And when I've got a bobber and a three nymph stack and a, and a, and a split shot of some sort on there, and this big old hard to handle rig, all the beauty of fly fishing gets lost for me. For me, I want a fly, a leader, a tapered fly line and a fly rod. And I want to turn that loop over pretty. I want to keep a nice tight loop. I want to throw it accurately. I want to do it with control. I don't want to have to watch my back cast. I want to be able to feel all of that and I surely don't want to be flopping nymphs down on the surface on that kind of half-hearted roll cast and again I'll be the first to tell you it's exceptionally effective just not how I like to fish and there's three stages in fishing first you want to catch fish then you want to catch big fish Then you want to catch fish how you want to catch fish, and that's where I'm at. I want to catch fish how I want to catch fish, and if that means I have to go nymphing, then I'm going to get my spinning rod out and we're going to go catch fish for real. And so that's just where my personal opinion lies. Again, you do you. In still water situations, it doesn't matter if I'm flats fishing in Florida or bass fishing in Texas, or walleye fishing in my backyard, or whatever the case might be, when you're fishing stillwater scenarios, you always have better chance at traditional casting. And that's what I really enjoy. So that's the thing for me that makes me want to do it. And then the more I do it when the conditions are right for fly fishing in stillwater, the more I do it, the more I enjoy it, and the more I realize that it can be very, very effective for catching fish. And In some scenarios, fish are easier to catch on fly tackle than they are spinning tackle, even in a still water, warm water fishing environment. So specifically, I'm going to focus on the warm water side of it, because you could still water fish for, for trout uh, as well, but I'm going to focus on the warm water side of it because, one, that's what I guide for. And for two, that's, again, where my really my first love is warm water fishing more than trout. I love trout fishing, and I'll be the first to tell you, trout fight really well. I do a ton of trout fishing every year, a ton of trout fishing every year. But if somebody said, okay, you got a week to go fishing tomorrow, I'm going warm water fishing somewhere. And that's just where my first love is. So fly fishing in warm water then, therefore, makes sense. Now, before I get too deep into this, uh, you could be anything in warm water. It could be bluegills or yellow perch, or crappies. It could go all the way up to pike. It could go uh, largemouth, smallmouth bass. It could go white bass, or stripers, or wipers. I mean, anything that can be caught in fresh water with a spinning rod can be caught with a fly rod. The one thing that makes me want to, um, to focus on certain seasons, let's just say, is because I don't, want my fish to be too deep if the fish are too deep the fly rod is not the right tool at which point i'm again going back to conventional tackle for me whatever fishing rod as long as there's an artificial of some sort on the end of it whatever fisher rod that is the right tool for the job is the one that i'm going to pick up and throw every single time because really if push comes to shove i like to catch fish and i like to catch them every time so whatever the right tool is. If the wind's blowing a bajillion miles an hour, I'm not gonna get the fly rod out. If the fish are 20 feet deep, I'm not gonna get the fly rod out. Now, some hardcore fly fisherman's gonna say, well, I can get 20 feet deep with a sinking line. At which point I'm gonna say, yep, I agree with you 100%. Go back to what I said about four minutes ago about I like the casting. A full sink line, in my opinion, is not as much fun to cast. You have to strip it all the way back to get it out of the water. It slows everything down. Just again, it comes back to the tactile sensation of fly casting. And there's clubs, uh, several clubs around the country, that do nothing but fly cast. They don't even fly fish. They judge each other on their fly casting. They have distance casting contests and all that. And... I'm not a huge distance caster, although I love throwing. I love I, I I can take my five weight and I can throw the entire ninety foot fly line. And so yes, I practice. Yes, I can do it. Yes, I can throw a ninety foot cast with a five weight rod with a standard fly line, not a specialized shooting line that they use in casting competitions. Conversely. I won the fly, the combination fly and spin fishing, uh, spin casting contest at the International Sportsman's Expo this year, alongside my partner Jeff Wagner, by hitting the fly casting accuracy contest for the win. So, accurate casting—I don't care if it's a spinning rod, bait casting rod, or fly rod—accurate casting catches you more fish than anything else. And so, with with I really like to focus on being very accurate with a fly rod, and a great way to practice that is on still water because in the river everything happens on the river's time the river sweeps your line down you typically have stuff in behind you that's in the way in a lot of scenarios unless you're standing out in the river and the extra distance between you and your fly means you're in less control with all your drifts and all these things in still water As long as I get that fly line to lay out straight, I'm in total control. I don't care if it's 20 feet in front of me or or, or 90 feet in front of me. I'm in control of it pretty well uh, as long as it's in a relatively straight line. So if there's a bunch of wind and then I'm going to have surface current, all right, then I don't want the fly rod. Uh, Also, fly casting in the wind is not as much fun. Uh, Also catching fish in wind on the fly rod is harder because the flies don't have as many triggering qualities as I can have with a lure. With a lure I might have big-time amount of vibration, or rattles, or flash, or, or a huge wide wobble, or the ability to dive and then pop back to the surface. All these different things I can do with a lure that I can't do with a fly. So, I need the conditions to be to be relatively quiet, so to speak, for fly fishing. Not too much wind, not too much crazy activity. When I get those kind of days, I'll be one of the first guys to grab a fly rod. Now, I mentioned they need to be shallow enough. Basically, depending on the species, they're shallow enough all the time. Some are not. So, for instance, walleye fishing. We like to guide for walleyes uh, with fly tackle, and it can be surprisingly effective as long as my walleyes are maybe 10 or 12 feet deep or shallower, which is a lot of the time. Um, Conversely, summertime, when they're on deep humps and they're 30 feet below the boat, I'm not even going to think about the fly rod, right? So it's a seasonal thing about fish being shallow. If my fish are 10 feet or less deep My fly rod's in play all the time, guaranteed. And if they're deeper than that, then it's debatable a little bit as to whether or not I can draw them to the surface, and we'll go into that in a minute, uh, or do I need to switch away uh, from there? So that's kind of how my decision point is on it. Now, also I want to throw out, if you're a fly fisherman listening to this, you already have the fly tackle I'm going to advocate that you need. If you're not a fly fisherman and you're considering getting into it and you're a conventional tackle guy, understand that you don't need anything specialized. The same fly tackle you buy for, say, smallmouth bass fishing will work just fine for you taking in the river and and fly fishing there if you want to be diverse in the long run. And I fully understand that. I might carry the same six weight throwing streamers in the river that I do for throwing streamers for smallmouth bass uh, up on shallow flat banks in my backyard. Uh, conversely, I might have more like a three-weight that I will throw for a green sunfish, crappies, bluegills, or small bass because, let's face it, at the end of the day, we like to catch fish. And if I've got an area, my lake's known for having tons and tons and tons of smallmouth bass between 8 and 12 inches long. Well, three-weight's an absolute blast with those fish. Take a small fly, you'll catch them one after the other. And I want to throw out this. It's an excellent way to get some reps on bite detection and hook setting because you're gonna catch a ton of fish. And the three weight is a fun way to do it. So a three weight, a five weight, a six weight, up from there could be still very usable. You might end up in a seven or eight weight in the largemouth bass realm, depending on the size of the flies you wanna throw. And as always, we dictate our fly rod based on the size of the flies we're throwing, not the size of the fish we're catching. So the only exception to that might be something like tarpon or like really big, really, really strong fish uh, that can still be caught on pretty small flies. But most of the time, if you're talking, say, pike fishing and down in terms of size of the fish, the fly is going to dictate the size of the fly rod, not the not the fish itself. So I might very easily be throwing a seven or eight weight when I'm largemouth bass fishing, or an eight or nine weight, maybe even a 10 weight for pike fishing because I'm throwing a huge fly. And I wanna point out that last year, The largest fish, the longest fish anyway, um, if you go by pure length, the longest fish I caught all of last year was a 50-inch northern pike that I caught on a 10-weight fly rod. But I want to point out that 10-weight fly rod was because I was throwing a fly that was upwards of 12 inches long, which is an enormous bug to throw with a fly rod, and therefore, you better have a big fly rod. And just for the record, real quick, in that scenario, I've got a straight 20-pound uh untapered leader just straight 20 pound fluorocarbon leader right out to the bug and then right at the very tip there's a short piece of wire about eight inches long just enough a tieable steel just enough to keep the teeth off of that 20 pound fluorocarbon there's no fancy tapered leader the leader's stiff enough uh the little leader short in that scenario and uh and so it works out very very good but Back to what I was saying, if you're a, if you're a trout guy, you have the, the fly rod you need, I promise. If you're not a trout guy, go buy yourself a five or a six weight, get a nine footer, get a floating weight forward fly line, and you're going to be in the hunt for any kind of trout fishing you want to do anyway. So let's step back a little bit and talk about some specifics about the flies. And because as a, as a, as a longtime fishing instructor, I always preach you choose your lure first, then you choose your line, then you choose your rod, then you choose your reel. Uh, That's how it goes, but it doesn't start the other way around. Fly is going to be the same way. So if I'm going to target bluegills, crappies, green sunfish, pumpkin seeds, uh, things like that, then the chances are very high that I'm going to throw very small flies, and they're going to be lightly weighted. So a maybe a three-weight, four-weight, maybe a five-weight, although that's going to bully a bunch of the, the fish when you catch them. Conversely, if I go up from there and I'm going to throw for smallmouth, uh, maybe white bass, some, maybe some walleyes, maybe some light-duty largemouth, um, then I'm going to be up in the five, six, or seven-weight range. And then if I want to go for more largemouth, pike, maybe wipers or or stripers, then I'm going to go up from there. It might be a 7, 8, maybe even a 9, as I said, uh, you know, from there. For me, I don't even own a 10 weight uh, for freshwater applications. A 9 as far as I go. I had to borrow the 10 weight to catch the pike up in Alaska. Uh, because I was throwing flies so much bigger than anything I even owned that I couldn't justify going and buying a whole new fly rod setup for it, so I borrowed one from a buddy. Thank you, Tim Farnsworth. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so that's what you're looking at. You don't need. There's a bunch of misnomers. You don't need a, a really expensive fly rod for for a couple of hundred bucks you can get a really good quality fly rod that will serve you just fine and will cast better than you can as a noob uh, fly angler. I promise you that. And I'm all for buying tackle you're gonna grow into, but you don't know what your casting stroke is gonna be like you don't know what you're going to desire in a fly rod, so you don't even know what you should spend your extra money on, even if you have it. So even if it's in the budget to buy a five or six hundred dollar fly rod, until you fly fished enough to have some idea what you like in terms of a fly rod, could be a fast action, a medium action, a slower action. Maybe you end up liking eight and a half footers rather than you know nine and a half footers, or whatever the case might be um figure those things out before you spend a bunch of money. So for me, I'm going to go like a mid-level graze, something like that. Um And then I'm going to learn to fish with that. If I've already got the rods, I'm not going to go buy something specialized just for uh to go warm water fishing. Go warm water fishing, see if you like it, see what's wrong with the tackle you have, if anything, and then worry about buying from there. But you'll get a better educated decision once you have a little bit of experience, I guess is what I'm getting at. And, uh, and that'll help you a, a whole bunch as far as that goes. So for me as a general rule, if I'm buying fly fishing for, or bu- excuse me, fly rods for uh, still water, I'm going to buy them in a little bit faster action because I tend to throw longer casts. If I'm going to buy a fly rod specifically for river fishing it's going to be a little bit slower and a little softer and that's because I'm going to be throwing typically a much shorter cast on average and I'm not typically as rewarded with line, line speed in the air as much nor or also I'm also going to do a bunch more roll casting and so none of those things put as much load on the fly rod and therefore uh, I want a little bit slower or less less uh, uh, less powerful fly rod for that. So for the line, um, always pretty much always going to be a wait-forward line for me these days. I don't really deviate from that a whole bunch on anything. There's some argument for double tapers here and there. Basically what that means, and I'll, I'm not going to get too much into the lingo of the line, but the line, a double tapered line is, is symmetrical. One end of the fly line, the other end of the fly line are the same, and they can be reversed on your reel with no change in action. Uh, of how they cast. Commercially a weight forward line will carry, depending on what weight forward you get, will carry a higher percentage of its weight of the weight of the fly line closer to the front. And that's kind of like a dart. If you ever throw darts, the, the weight is concentrated on the front of the dart. It gives you distance and stability. Uh, same thing with a lot of other things along those lines. So you that extra weight at the front will allow that line to shoot better will load better on a short cast or load easier on a short cast i should say and then will shoot better and maintain more line speed so i tend to go weight forward with basically everything yes you lose a little bit of durability in the long run because the line cannot be reversed but in my mind the performance uh, is better for that as well and again they're floating and i'm going to go back to the floating thing here uh, I'm going to focus on the floating thing here for just a minute because the floating part of the fly line the reason that that's important as opposed to a sinking line or a sink tip line The fly line sits on the surface of the water and therefore if I want to throw a floating bug uh, Of some sort my fly line will not pull it down. So for one, I to get versatility right there two if I want to be slightly under the surface I can use just a fluorocarbon leader and my floating fly line and that fluorocarbon leader, depending on the length of it and the pound test of that fluorocarbon, will pull my fly down uh, as well and give me the depth that I need. And then if I need deeper than that, I can now go with a point-weighted fly. In other words, a fly with a bead on it or some weight on the shank of the hook, something like that. And if I need still deeper, I can put a split shot. I can lengthen my leader out, put a split shot on it ahead of the fly and use a point-weighted fly. And at that point, I can throw as long of a leader as I can actively cast. I can fish as deep, I should say, as as long of a leader as I can accurately cast. So if I can throw, a, say, a 9-foot leader with a little bit of weight on the end of it using a weight forward fly line and a nice crisp fly rod and I can turn that big leader over even with the weight on it, then I can easily fish in the 8 to 10 foot range with a floating fly line because the, the leader will settle while the fly line floats and that fly line will then give me a strike indicator as well. It will give me something to watch. My Costa sunglasses will be riveted on that and the reason I throw out my brand of Costas because polarized sunglasses will help you so much in line watching. People think it's about seeing the fish. No, for me it's about seeing the line on the surface and that... Weighted, either the fluorocarbon leader or the weighted flies will pull the tip of the fly line under some. The farthest I can see out there towards the tip of my line, the better chance I have of detecting bites and the more fish I'm going to catch. So yes, I spend money on sunglasses. Yes, I wear them religiously. And in my opinion, if you fly fish ever without eye protection, you are crazy because I don't care how good a caster you are, eventually you will hit yourself in the head with a fly line. Even if it's overcast and yucky out, I will have either clear or amber lenses on all the time when I'm fly fishing, and I require it in my boat as a matter of contract as a fishing guide. So we do not fish without eye protection, especially with fly gear. So floating fly line will also give me... A Key thing and that is a jigging motion. So let's say I've got a subsurface fly of any kind It could be a little tiny wet fly a little old-school partridge soft tackle fly for bluegills Catch tons of bluegills with it could be fantastic Could be that little thing right there or a little tiny little minnow fly of some sort Maybe a one-inch long clouser minnow for crappies perfect little clouser minnow for crappies it it doesn't matter if I'm throwing that or the bigger bass bug. When I throw that thing out and I let it settle, it's gonna pull the line down, 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 but the fly line itself is floating and I'm gonna keep my rod tip very close to the surface of the water, like within an inch or two or three at the most, so that my line's laid real flat. I don't have any any of that bow in my line. I want my rod tip to be very close to the tip of my fly line all the time, uh, or my, my rod tip to be very close to the water at the fly line all the time. What that's gonna do when I strip on that bug and I strip on it with my stripping hand, that bug's gonna head for the surface because as the fly line comes to me and it's got an angle down to the bug, the bug's gonna come up in the water column. And then when I let go with my stripping hand and go to re- to go back forward, now that thing's gonna sink again and it's gonna give you that vertical jigging motion, no different than a guy that's working a jig with a spinning rod that's important because in saltwater, or excuse me in still water warm water fishing a high percentage of your bites and i mean a very high percentage of your bites a very very high percentage of your bites are going to come as that fly settles back down in the water column so if it doesn't rise up in the water column it's not going to settle back down so if i had a sink tip line or a full sinking line besides not being as much fun to cast my fly is going to move more horizontally. And there's been a ton of research done. You can ask Dr. Keith Jones from the Berkeley Fish Labs. You wanna get a lot of bites, let your bait slowly sink and nothing sinks as slow and beautiful as a fly with no extra weight on it on a fluorocarbon leader or a very small amount of weight on a fly on a fluorocarbon leader uh, it's going to sink so slow and tantalizing and particularly with smallmouth and crappies and bluegills that fall rate is critical and the floating fly line gives me a chance to strip let the bug come up and then let it settle back down same thing with walleyes. 99% of the walleye fishing I do is done with a Klauser minnow. 99% of the fly fishing for walleyes is done with a Klauser minnow. That Klauser minnow is custom tied for me. They're made out of pure synthetic materials. No actual bucktail in it, which is traditional in a Klauser in a minnow, would be tied with bucktail. I don't like bucktail because bucktail is very, very buoyant, particularly where, depending on the buck's tail, you take that hair from. It's very buoyant, which means I need more weight to get that fly to sink, which means it's less fun to cast. So if you have it made with synthetic materials that don't absorb or that don't float, I should say, and even especially if they absorb water, now it's easy to cast and uh, it's more fun in general. So that's just using your materials to your advantage in that regard. The overwhelming majority of my walleye fly fishing is done with clouds or minnows. They're always either black or brown, occasionally a pearl color, depending on the water color. Uh, And it's done with a floating fly line, and it's done with a very heavy fluorocarbon leader, and it's done so that when I strip it hard, the fly darts straight up, and then the whole thing settles right back down. And that makes a huge difference in catching walleyes as opposed to swimming horizontally. And anyone that's ever done any serious walleye jigging knows that walleyes love something falling through the water column. Sometimes they'll bite something that is horizontal almost always they'll bite something that's falling so that's why jigging spoons and and jigging wraps and blade baits and all of those things are so good for walleyes it's why something like a soft stick worm is so good for bass fishing because it settles straight down through the water calm great way to pick up fish um so that's, the, that's my basic system. I do like a good drag uh, for stillwater fishing more than I would for uh, rivers because it's not that often that I get to hook and fish in a river that's going to pull me into my drag. It's typically they're going to be stripped in most of the time. Uh, there's sometimes obviously around really big fish, whatever, but most of the time they're going to be stripped in. Your reel isn't doing anything other than holding line and needs to be durable so I can set it down in the river and all that. On the deck of my boat, which is where I do the bulk of my fly fishing in still water, uh, The it's very possible that I could hook a, a five-pound bass that's going to get me on the drag. It's very possible I can hook a big walleye or a wiper or striper that's going to for sure get me into the drag. So I do want a decent drag on a reel. Uh, my reels are pretty much all grays at this point. Uh, fantastic reels, work great, not overly expensive, really good drag, nice and light fantastic there's other companies you pick whichever one you like but at the end of the day a drag is a good thing to have so that's really the only equipment it comes down to a floating fly line a fly rod of size appropriate for this for the flies that are appropriate for the species you're going to target and then go from there and it's very simple in terms of flies let's let's look at flies real quick here The aforementioned clauser minnow is as good as anything you're going to throw in standing water in my opinion of subsurface flies fantastic can tie them from all the way down to like an inch or three quarters of an inch even all the way up to as big as you want to make one and that's a good all-around fly basically in my mind it's the finesse jig of the fly fishing world and i've had long talks with bob clauser about that And in fact, I have a couple of his Clouser minnows tied on display right here in my office that he tied for me uh, personally, and there, it's it's as versatile a fly gets. So that's what I'm going to have for sure. I'm going to have some sort of a partridge, old school partridge soft tackle fly, just a generic buggy looking little soft tackle fly that I can strip. I can either weight it and, and have it go down. I can have it unweighted to where it's right under the surface film, which is super effective for panfish. Um, or, or you know, or whatever. So that's a fly that I'm gonna have for sure. I'm also for sure going to have some surface poppers and this is where the grins come in. <laughs> a fly rod and a popper on it, a little surface popper of some sort, depending on again what species I'm targeting. When I say a little surface popper, a little one for pike might be an inch in diameter or inch and a half in diameter. A little one for bluegills might be an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch in diameter. So some sort of a little popper is going to for sure Sure, be in my arsenal for almost anything with the exception of maybe walleyes. Little popper on the surface can be fantastic. A couple nuances on the poppers. If I'm targeting bluegills, green sunfish, uh, yellow perch, pumpkin seeds, there's not going to be rubber legs on there. What I find is that fish come up and pop the bug and the rubber legs catch on their lip and push the fly away. Your hook percentage goes down a ton. No rubber legs if I'm targeting panfish. If I'm targeting bass or up, anything like that, then all of a sudden the rubber legs are in play because they're excellent at drawing strikes. They'll draw strikes from panfish too. You just won't hook as many. So I like to really be concentrated on that as a nuanced thing. And really most of the time for me, um, the, the, leg, the rubber legs will stay on there for bass and pike and things like that. That's a fly that I'm gonna have for sure. And then the other fly I'll have besides a popper is some sort of a little diver. Typically, both my poppers and my divers, I'm not a big fan of deer hair and things like that call me old or, or new school, I'm not a traditionalist in that, a foam-bodied popper will float all day long and uh, and I don't have to worry about the fly getting torn up, I don't have to worry about the fly sinking. Same thing with some sort of a little diver fly. I love a little deceiver or diver of some sort, something that'll go like a Dahlberg diver, something that'll just dive right under the surface when I strip it hard. And then pop itself back to the surface uh, as because it floats that can be excellent in that scenario you're looking at something like the number one selling lure of all time which was the old school rapala floating minnow these days i throw a hit stick it's a much improved version of that same kind of thing it floats at rest and then when you pull it down it dives and then you slack it out it floats so some sort of a little diver fly that does that Uh, can be excellent as well. Typically it'll get bit either right when you pop it under or right when it breaks the surface film on the way up and just for the record that's an excellent way to catch trout as well and you just don't see that many guys doing it. So that's kind of my spiel on the fly fishing thing. The, The big couple key things that I should throw out there real quick if you're not tuned into fishing for warm water fish at all it's not typically gonna be about the fly, it's gonna be about how you move it. So if you notice, I only mentioned four genres of flies, right? and that's because with those four genres, I can do whatever I need. I can jig with it, I can keep it on the surface, I can keep it just under the surface, or I can hybrid thereof with the, with the little diver fly. So it gives me a chance to do all of which I need. So for me, it's not about changing flies 25 times, particularly among the same genre. I have light, medium, and dark for colors, and that's it. Otherwise, I'll just focus on my size and focus on my retrieve details to get me fish caught. When it comes to the panfish, typically less is more. The less I move the fly, the more I just let it settle on its own, the more fish I will catch. Also, the smaller the fly, the more fish I will catch the vast majority of the time for panfish. For bass it might be the other way around. It might be that the fly needs to go as fast as possible at which point I'll use the combination of my stripping hand and my rod hand so I can use my rod to keep the fly moving. There's a lot of scenarios where if the fly stops the fish will refuse it for bass fishing and that's not what you want. You want the fly to run from the fish a lot of the time. In that case again it's down to the retrieve uh, that's going to make more of a difference than anything else. You're trying to trigger fish with the retrieve, which is about the polar opposite of dead drifting a nymph or a dry fly in a river where We're going to try not let that thing move at all and make it look as natural as possible drifting. Well now The water's not moving now. It's up to me to make the bug draw the strike and that's fun. That's as an angler That's what tickles my fancy and that I really enjoy um, focus on your weeds, focus on your weed lines, focus on throwing around cover. If this is all day one stuff if you're not normally a warm water fisherman. You want to throw to the stick-ups, you want to throw the edges of the weed lines, you want to throw to, you know, close to the bank, even if the fish are out off the bank a little bit. You want your lure or your fly to be the proverbial, you know, uh, between a rock and a hard place, right up against the bank, you know, something like that. Uh, or back against the wall, I guess is a better uh, better analogy there. but. Um, you just definitely want to focus on throwing around targets and all that and that's why I say the accuracy is a big deal. The other thing is staying away from your fish a little bit will typically catch you more fish so you can be rewarded if you catch say you catch x number of fish on 20 foot casts you might catch x plus five on 25 or 30 foot casts because they're not detecting you particularly if you're in a boat or a float tube kayak paddleboard or whatever and so keep that in mind as well low light periods are good shades always great uh, if you can find some little shade lines little shady pockets maybe overhanging willow bushes or something creating some shade throw a little surface popper in there and get her done uh for bass or whatever um, very very simple classic old school pattern so and, and i'm going to finish with this uh as far as it goes Go at it with an open mind. Pay attention to what the fish are doing and go at it with an open mind. And I think you'll find that the warm water fishing is really good. Also the fish are durable. Uh, there tends to be a lot of them. And if you're observant, uh, walking around any sort of a pond or, or any, any of the lakes around, you'll see all sorts of food sources. I do not match the hatch when it comes to warm water fishing. Uh, I'm sort of minnow-like, sort of buggy-like, or sort of just commercial, or, uh, or excuse me, commotion, I should say, on the surface. And and I'll end this with an old John Gearock quote. And I, I met John Gearock and spent some time with him many years ago when I was in college in a writing class. Great guy. We were talking about bass fishing, and he's he was somebody had asked him, as he actually ended up writing it up in one of his books. Uh, had asked him about what did he think this fly mimicked, and it was just a giant huge generic bug and he said something to the effect of uh, reminded them of prehistoric drowning pterodactyls you know so that's the kind of thing that it's all about it's not a match the hatch deal it's really about making good presentations and having fun with it so Sorry guys, this one went long, I could talk for a long time on fly fishing for warm water stuff, I do it all the time, and I can just close it with this, there's a three weight in my garage, hangs there all the time, always rigged, always with a soft tackle on it, that soft tackle fly I tied when I was in about 10th grade, and I'm in my 50s, so that should tell you something about how my fly selection looks. Anytime there's any sort of commotion behind my house, I'm gonna go down there and I throw that three weight. And yes, occasionally something will happen. I'll get broke off by something too big for the three weight, but it's worth it. It's enjoyable, and that's why we all fish. So, guys, I appreciate you listening. Hopefully, you're listening uh, and you'll subscribe from wherever that's at. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it's our YouTube channel or wherever, Spotify or wherever it is you listen to us. I'd appreciate it very much if you'd subscribe. This is a labor of love, no doubt about it. Uh, YouTube at Fishful Thinker. If you're not listening there, there's 605, I think, videos up there now, a couple of million views. We'd love to have you checked out. It's all education-based. Please subscribe while you're there. Or you can join the conversation on Facebook uh, or Instagram. And we're kind of playing around with TikTok a little bit as well. All those are at Fishful Thinker. So also you can catch us on television on World Fishing Network, Altitude Sports, five days a week. So thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.